Hello, listeners. This is Jim the Keys bartender coming to you from Key Largo in the Florida Keys in the state of Florida. I was going to say great state of Florida, but that seems that's kind of assumptive. Assumptive. Great. What makes it great? You know, Texas, Alaska, Montana, Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey. You ever see those people that during one of those political conventions, either, doesn't matter, both sides of the aisle, right? From the great state of Rhode Island, the state that brought you blah, 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 blah. Everyone thinks it's the greatest. It's, they act during those conventions like a parent who has an over, overly, like, well-received child. Like saying, oh my God, my child's the greatest. He's the greatest. You know, he pooped by himself. He pooped by himself. He can go take care of himself and brush his teeth and do all that stuff. Well, isn't your kid 16 years old? Shouldn't they be able to do that? Well, yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's he's amazing. He's amazing. You know, he wrote me a, a letter. He wrote me a letter and it was wonderful. What did the letter say? It said, Mom... Please, I need my uh, uniform cleaned for practice. Oh, that's the letter your son left you? And, oh my God, he's going to be such a literary giant. I'm, I digress once again. I was talking about the state. Everyone's state, what they're coming from, what their hometown is, what hometown they're from, how great it is. They're so parochial or it's not it's a kind of cross cross between parochial and xenophobia meaning where I'm from is the greatest place your place cannot you know and they always seen people talk about this is why this place is so great and they love it and sometimes they have an ulterior motive you know if you have a real estate agent they would say that about their their community because they're selling property there. Or if you're a business uh, person or just generally proud of your area. But, you know, why would you automatically think you come from the greatest place? I'm not saying you have to shit can everything else, you know, your stuff. But why would you assume that there is a redeeming quality to other places people live. And there's some beautiful places out there. I enjoy where I live because I live here. I know the people here. I enjoy my surroundings. I, of course, it's the Florida Keys and you hear about things like, you know, you have this image of the uh, uh, subtropics and things like that. But I'm sure the place you live is nice also. If a place is that shitty, generally people leave. And that's why you see these ghost towns in the middle of, you know, the flyover country every so often. But then in the middle of those states, there's beautiful little towns and cities. The way people behave when they're from New York, Chicago, L.A. They're very, what you call protective of the reputation of the town they're from. 
whenever I tell people that I'm from Philadelphia originally, they go, are you glad you're not there? They just have a horrible image of Philadelphia for some reason. Some people call it Philadelphia. I'm like, where are you from? What bum fuck place are you from? You get to shit. You get to say shitty stuff about my town. Let me hear your shitty town. Oh, were you tired of the brothers and sisters having sex with each other? Is that why you left your town? Wherever it's from. Hillbilly country. Whatever. How's that sound when you say shit like that? Don't automatically shit on someone's town they're from. They don't necessarily... Don't, it's like saying shit about their family. Are you glad you got out of that family? Kind of like the Manson family, isn't it? No. People are fond of their child. Many people are fond of their childhood towns and homes and their families. Why would you shit on them automatically? Oh, what did you think of that town? How did you like it? Why are you down here? Well, like many people, where were you born? And you move because opportunities present themselves. And that's it. Whenever I get the opportunity to say something about my hometown, Philadelphia, hey, listen, I understand people from Philadelphia. They, uh, a friend of mine recently came to visit. He said, what would have to happen for you to move back? And I said, it wouldn't have to be a, a drastic thing. You know, I wouldn't have to be offered a great job or a great place to live or anything like that. It would just be an opportunity that would present itself. Just like it did when I left the city. And I, many of you regular listeners have heard the story. Back in 2007... I was in a, a, a troubled marriage. We were seeking help, going to counseling, and it just became irreparable. We didn't have any compelling reasons to stay together because we didn't have any children. We were fighting a lot, just getting worse. And I, listen, within four months of moving down here, I stopped drinking, so... There was an ongoing problem I had that wasn't addressed, and that was drinking. So I came down to a place down here where a friend had uh, room for me to live and had hooked me up with a job, and I took the job. It was only supposed to be temporary. I was going to move on. I was going to try to fix my life. I was going to try to change course. I wanted to do something more creative. And you know what? I came down here and the biggest creative thing I did, to ch- the biggest factor that changed that for me was, and now I can only speak for myself, was drinking. Because I spent a lot of energy focusing on my drinking. Now, I have other issues. I'm a procrastinator. I, have, I avoid some difficult things. I, if I don't like doing something, I don't like to do it. I won't do it. In many cases, I'll put it off. 
there's all different types of procrastination and stuff like that. But when I initially, when I gave up the bottle, I had more, I had more energy. I had more time to do things. I, I, I changed my, it's, it's, it's like anything you spend, think about the time you spend doing something during the week. If you find yourself uh, listening to sports radio, cut that out for a little while. I mean, I know that's something you like, or TV, or reading, or cosplay. It's something that's not productive. Now, I'm not saying something that provides happiness. If that's the thing that provides happiness in life after doing something for a while and you really enjoy it and you feel enriched, keep on doing it. That's what I did. And I realized that at least the one thing, the thing I gave up, gave me an opportunity to think about the things I'm doing and what I could do a little better. And I was it went on to create several small companies, small companies, never rose to more than two or three employees. But it was interesting considering I never had any business experience before. When I say business experience, I mean entrepreneur experience. And the more I did it, the more I enjoyed it. It was an act of creativity. And then eventually I got into podcasting. I do. I still always did a lot of writing since I came down to the Keys. Always thinking, well, I do have, I have books and books filled with writing. It could be rantings. People could pick them up and say, this guy has one disjointed idea into the next. He is fucking insane. That's what they could say if they pick it up. But, I mean, it makes sense to me. It's just ideas. And sometimes I try to write uh, kind of exaggerated fiction or exaggerated nonfiction. And that's what I got into. And then I, you know, segued into this podcast, which I have done. This is episode 523. So, I started with talking about the place I'm from, why, why I'm there, and why I'm here. It's kind of random, isn't it? A random conversation. But all those steps that I did, where I'm from, where I am now, was meant to be. And those experiences lead me to be able to talk about things that I think about now. Not saying it makes me an expert. I do think about why people ask why you're from, why they would be so judgmental about a place they haven't been to or haven't spent a lot of time in there. You cannot it's very hard to judge a town by driving over its highways, especially these old northeastern towns, because these highways were built through industrial centers that are very depressing. Very depressing. You have to go through certain neighborhoods. If you go through Miami, there's some neighborhoods you drive through and there's bars on the houses. There's bars on the houses. That doesn't mean all of it's like that. There's certain neighborhoods you go through and there's uh, it has all these, I, you know, these trees and you go through Coral Gables and there's very nice houses there. Other places... They're working class neighborhoods, a little rougher neighborhoods to go in there. They're nice houses too, but they have little bars on it. it gives it a little more 
of that feel that it could be not so safe, not so nice. And there's dirtier parts when you get to the old business sections of town and more depressed areas. If you go through Florida City, some of the areas down there, very depressing, the gateway to the Keys. Some of those neighborhoods. And other ones are not so bad. There's people that live there have these little big uh, lots, these big acres and acres of lots where people come in and live and they do their kind of budget Florida retirement home. And it's a camper on the lot. And that's what we're doing. And they may have moved from a place like St. Louis or Cleveland or, or Akron. I named, I named two Ohio towns. And I'm sure they don't hate their towns. They just left to seek warmer climes, maybe, or just the idea of being in Florida. That's enough of that. I'm just saying that I don't, when I tell you, when someone tells you where they're from, you don't have to go and shit all over where they're from. Okay? Oh, what's it like? Oh, was it nice? Okay, that's it. Move on. Unless that person wants to tell you how shitty they thought it was and stuff like that. And a lot of times, uh, for some people, it's because they were surrounded by people that weren't so good for, you know, helping them or cheerleading them or encouraging them. Or they could have been a shitty person up there, too. So you don't know the whole story. Let's talk, since I've been trying to do this every episode recently, about a certain aspect of bartending. And... I never really get the chance to talk about this, and no one ever really talks about it, is the garnishes. It's important to have presentable, fresh garnishes for certain drinks. And even, you know, beers. There's certain beers that just, there's uh, a blonde, Belgian blondes that, and when I'm talking about Belgian blonde, that's a beer. Um, let's, uh, I'm going to say one. Blue Moon. It has a slight hint of orange in it, and people use an orange slice for that. But other than that, you have your orange, you have your lemon, you have your lime, cherry, olives, pearl onions. And some people do separately. I don't necessarily because I don't get a lot of it. The lemon rind, I just use the slices. I'll cut a couple lemons kind of thin so I could just separate the flesh from the rind and I can use that lemon twist. That's the lemon twist. It's just the, uh, the lemon rind that goes in a drink. And there's kind of a, a bitter, the bitter oils in the rind kind of add something to the drink. So I'm told now. Because I wasn't really big in the garnishes when I was drinking. Was I concerned about a garnish? No. Just give me the drink. Yeah, if I'm having a gin and tonic, it's nice to have a lime. Would it stop me from having a gin and tonic? No. No. That's the one gin and tonic, vodka tonic, that's, and, or club soda. That's the only co- cocktail because it kind of like cut and dry easy for me. For when I was drinking. I'm not talking about making. So having that nice garnish, you don't want them sitting around too long. So people have different views on how to do it. Uh, like presentation-wise, 
the half moon where you cut it in half and you just have it, or whole wheel. Sometimes people use a whole wheel. Now that's great for presentation, but not necessarily great for getting juice out of it. The wedge is the best one for getting the juice out of it. If you're squeezing it into the drink, obviously people, there's, there's the whole moon where you have the whole cross section around with a little cut in it, or you could do a half moon thin slice it's more surface area to the fruit and if you're just using it sometimes it just looks good that way but the wedge when you get your fruit what you do is you rinse off the uh the fruit because it's been handled so rinse it off with nice cold water take all the stickers off it that's my big beef with some people if you're going to cut fruit take the stickers that stick on it the produce stickers to tell you what lot they came in, take them off. It doesn't, I know you're in a hurry. You don't have time for foolishness. This sticker's not going to hurt anybody. Most likely it won't, but it's just a level of carelessness you shouldn't have. You shouldn't have the sticker left on the fruit when it goes on. When someone sees it, it just shows that. So, Having the correct garnish, like when you have a Manhattan, it's a cherry, an old-fashioned, a cherry, an orange slice, or orange rind, or lemon rind, whatever way you make it. I did talk about the old-fashioned before, and uh, I did a little research, and there's a, a lot of variations when it comes to it. The old-fashioned, the traditional one that was made like in the 40s and things like that, originally I don't want to get sidetracked, but it's very dependent on the garnish. There's a, martinis are very dependent on the garnish. You got to have the olives. Now, there's cocktail olives and there's the big olives. I don't really care. There's I like the in betweens actually, because some people like it, some people don't. If they don't like olives, generally they tell you no olives. So if someone gets a little pissed off that you have a little larger olives than others. One of the first episodes of the show, one of the first episodes, over 500 episodes ago, was blue cheese olives. And people ask about blue cheese olives. And blue cheese olives are not olives made of blue cheese. It's olives stuffed with blue cheese. And they have a tool with, I won't even describe it. It's, it's, it's a low-tech tool. It's, you, you, it has a little center cylinder on a tongue. With a cutaway, so the center cylinder is exposed. You put it into the uh, blue cheese, fills up with blue cheese. You take that cylinder, fits inside the hole for the olive, and you got a blue cheese olive when you push it together. People love that shit. But the problem with that garnish necessarily, some people just eat the garnish sometimes. They just go and they see blue cheese olives. They just want blue cheese olives because they like olives. They like blue cheese. You, you hit a juxtaposition of two things that make it your life more of a pain in the ass. And blue cheese olives, and people say, how do you know if they get moldy? Because they're already using moldy cheese. Well, you can get moldy. They get shitty, those that cheese. But it may not necessarily taste that way. And some of them, they got pre-made and they put them in the jar and they're sitting in the orange. Oh, they look disgusting. There's nothing like fresh blue cheese olives. And I don't, I didn't like olives. And 
yes, they do make them better. And there's all sorts of things you can stuff olives with. And I'm not saying gross things. I'm saying regular things. Sometimes people use ricotta. They use a little sprig of green. Somebody made one look like a desert island. I know. It's an olive. It looked like a desert island with a palm tree coming out of the top. It just, the palm tree was like a sprig of parsley or something like that. But the garnish is, when, when someone's really dependent on the garnish, I could tell you, if the garnishes are really nice, the price for the drinks are going to be premium. Because you better have a nice garnish. Or be at an exclusive place. I've gone to exclusive places where you're drinking out of plastic cups and it's still $14, $15 for a drink. That sucks. But generally when you pay $15, $16, $17 for a drink, it's going to be a nice glass and have a nice garnish. So it's really important to keep those going. Have that have that garnish ready. Have it fresh. Make sure you take the stickers off it and inspect it. Don't, don't automatically the next day assume that the fruit's fine. Sometimes it gets kind of soft, wilty. Just throw it out. Uh, try to cut. You don't want to cut over because the juice from, let's say, limes and lemons kind of eat away at the rind too. Usually that casement they have for, you know, the whole fruit before it's cut is the best way for preserving the quality and integrity of the fruit before you need to cut it. So cut what you need that day. Have some backup just in case. And there you go. Half the battle is knowing the garnish. That's all I have to say. So We're moving on to Christmas music. Okay. Everyone's heard this thing. Starbucks, they start doing their goddamn designs. They start talking about Black Friday because Thanksgiving is about two weeks away. And two weeks away, you know, Christmas. So right after Halloween, I understand that people want to get a jump start and they have fine Fond feelings for Christmas. I love Christmas. I love Christmas shows. I love it. And you're going to hear things. I think it's cantankerous and things like that. And they have their stores. There's Christmas stores that sell Christmas stuff all year round because people love Christmas. Just like someone, the little kid who likes Spider-Man. He likes to have everything Spider-Man around you. And you want to have everything Christmas around you. Yes, I understand that. But don't you get, the more you have, it's called too much of a good thing. It's like having, imagine, I'm going to try to make several metaphors to really explain it. You like Spongebob, the TV show, the cartoon. And you watch it, it's on the television, round the clock. How long you don't like that? Not very long. You like Jimmy Buffett. When I moved down here, I love Jimmy Buffett music. But I ended up bartending at a place, at a back bar, a patio bar, at a nice restaurant. And they had in the rotation a heavy, heavy on Jimmy Buffett rotation. And it was more like five songs by Jimmy Buffett. And I would hear each of those songs about seven times a night. And after working 
maybe sometimes six days a week. That's listening to each song 42 times. And doing that for uh, some seven weeks, that's 280 times each song. That's too much of a good thing. You ruin, you ruin it, you ruin it with uh, movies when you watch too many movies over, read a book too many times, wear the same outfit. It gets worn out. You, your favorite shirt, it gets faded, gets worn. Your favorite shoes, the soles wear out, your laces break. Same things happen with holidays. When you do the same thing every day, it's drudgery. It becomes drudgery. When you hear the same, oh, the weather outside is frightening. Let us know, let us know, let us know. Whatever. I understand. I love Christmas. I love the traditional Christmas when you think about with the uh, the snow and all that. But I like the sentimental Christmas where it's just the ideas of people being good-natured, and, and friendly and the idea of rejoicing oh yeah I love that stuff I'm all into it but I like the two weeks I like the two weeks of it and when I get exposed to it too early it's like living living in Disney World if you can't relate to this try to remember if you were a child, you ever go to Disney World or some amusement park you always wanted to go to and the first time you went there, the beginning. I just recall the first time I walked into Disney World when I was between seven and eight years old. Now, I went to Disneyland younger, but I really vividly remember the big Orlando Disney World. It was pretty new. It was only a couple of years old then. And walked it. The main entrance, you walked right on the main street. And that's that nostalgic, kind of like 1890s um, Main Street America. And it's real nostalgic. It has ice cream, candy. You have all the characters walking around. Brightly painted buildings. The, you know, the bushes that are cut to look like Mickey or Pluto and then you see Cinderella's castle one end and you see all this other stuff and it's just excitement welling up from underneath because the first time you see it it's everything you've seen there was a show on Sunday night it used to be called Disney's Wild uh, The Wonderful World of Disney I pulled that out of my ass that's pretty good and they used to open up with that kind of like I think it's an aerial scene where they see Disney World. And it is heaven to kids. It was heaven. It was everything you wanted. Roller coasters, rides, characters, old-timey buildings. Now, it's funny if you think about kids. If you took a kid to an old-timey building and said, look at this building, this is old. The kid would go, well, why, is my, why the fuck are you bringing me to this old building? But you, you put an old building in Disney World. Oh, this is a haunted mansion. Well, I know there's a lot more shit goes involved in that. Right? You take a kid and say, hey, this is where pirates 
thing. Nope, no, I'm not really care about that. But you're taking the Pirates of the Caribbean in heaven. So, but leave a kid there, get a season pass to Disney. Take them there enough. And then they get kind of used to it. Yeah, living in Disney isn't the same as visiting Disney. And living in Christmas every day is not the same as coming. The nice thing about some of these holidays is they come and they go. It's a change of pace. So we're coming on it this year. I understand my neighbors already decorating for it. And I appreciate that. I think it's beautiful. I think they're doing... I love Christmas lights. I don't think... Actually, I don't really have a problem with people leaving their house decorated all year round. Especially with the lights. I think the the lights are aesthetically pleasing. And considering now that they don't draw as much electricity as they used to. You know, the bulbs, the old style bulbs that you've seen in the Griswold uh, National Lampoon... Christmas vacation don't draw the power that these little LED lights or or icicle lights do so you could have a shitload of them and it's still like having 10 light bulbs running it's not not a ton electricity there's big those old style bulbs and and I think some of these older people that listen to the show you understand and you know exactly the nice thing about those old bulbs that were easy to replace. They were screw-in. You just get a bunch of them, you pop them in, you try to vary the color. Yeah, it was kind of frenetic, the decorating years ago. You go to a house, they didn't really do a lot of themed decorating. It was all, well, Christmas was a theme. So, the lights things, I think is aesthetically pleasing. Uh, Sure, you can put up you could put up the Santa blow-up things. That doesn't really... The Santa blow-up doesn't really remind me of Christmas. I do love the nativity scenes. You don't see nativity scenes as much anymore. As a kid, we, we always used to have... Everyone had a nativity scene. Nothing like a plastic nativity scene with a little baby Jesus with his hands out like he's ready to hug whoever comes along. you got three old guys standing off this side... Joseph and Mary, a couple of farm animals, right? But they never had the lit chicken, though. I never saw the chicken, and that's a running theme in the show. I know I'm always mentioning chickens. I don't know why. I must love chickens. But with the music, the music, yeah, there are there there are places where people say you cannot play that. And they started playing on a jukebox on random selection. Christmas music started popping up. I'm guessing it started popping up because there were people there. There were people in the bar area, but I don't think it was someone that would that. And they only played one Christmas song. So it's, it, it felt like a, you know... It felt like one of those things they just put in there. Next time someone does that, I'm going to just put, I'm going to put Grandma Got Ran Over by Reindeer 10 times in a row. Next someone starts playing. Yeah, that's my torture. 
I guess well, it's everyone's torture. I just don't... I think there's only a certain amount of that kind of thing to go around. And I think the intensity gets kind of reduced when you do it, when you start right after Halloween and you go... And you have to end it abruptly, abruptly on the 26th and 27th. I was always slightly depressed on those days, especially as a kid. I mean, the 25th, Christmas night. Christmas is over on Christmas night. The best part of Christmas for me, I'm I'm not going to say it's opening the presents on Christmas morning, which was an intensity, was the expectation leading a couple days before as a child. The week before, my mom would take uh, us to the Christmas bazaar at the church where they sold all the crap in the basement of one of these old churches. I love that. I loved, even after Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving Day Parade in Philadelphia, it was the opening of the Christmas season. It wasn't a ton of it. It wasn't a ton of it. It was just at the end of it that it got Christmassy with Santa. Because that was initiating that. And then they said, okay, now we're going to start putting up, we're going to start putting up decorations. The Christmas trees, they were still on, Christmas trees were still being sold on Christmas Eve. A lot of people didn't put up Christmas trees early. Well, first of all, they were they were fire hazard. And I don't know how they did those Trees in those old styles. Once again, I'm always amazed when you see that thing where people are taking candles. Say, let's take candles and put them in that dry, in that dry fir tree. I don't know if you ever seen one of those bonfires with these old Christmas trees in it, but you should see what it looks like when it, a dry pine tree goes up. It is a sight to behold and you'll finally saying, how the fuck did they have these candles? They used to have candles before they had lights. I put candles in the boughs and they're on the edge and point them out and say, well, we're going to put candles. Well, what if it burns down and sets the tree on fire? Well, nah. We're going to keep an eye on it. I mean, is that a thing? Is it something they just do in movies? Did someone actually do that? So I'm going to take this tree, dry it out in the house, put some candles in it. It's like, we're going to take this cannon, the Civil War cannon, and it may or may not be still loaded with gunpowder. And we're going to use, we're going to put candles on top of it. I mean, actually, that's not a really good metaphor because it's probably unlikely you put the, whatever they use, the fuse in the cannon to get the chamber ready to throw the the ball out of the cannon. You know, the, the gunpowder's usually dead by then. So a, a Christmas tree is probably a lot more ignitive 
than an old Civil War cannon. But let's say hand grenade. Well, we're telling oh, Grandpa brought this hand grenade back from the war. Well, is it a dummy? I don't know, but you might be a dummy if you pull that pin out. We'll see. I digress again. So, and we know right after Thanksgiving also they start playing the shows and Rankin and Bass is the name of a production company that did, for in my opinion, my humble opinion, did the best Christmas cartoons. They just, I'm sorry Hallmark and all that stuff. Some people, how you listen to Hallmark Channel, they'll start, they may be doing it right now because they probably have enough Christmas movies to play a different one every night or a couple different ones every night of their shitty Christmas movies. I'm sorry. Most likely, if you are listening to this show, you are not a Hallmark person because I don't get all small CO that. I guess we curse. And if you do listen to uh, Hallmark channels, you don't want to hear about butt plugs and stuff like that. But the Hallmark Channel, that's that's one of the things. If someone's watching it, oh, I love my Hallmark shows. Because they're happy. They're all happy. Well, that's good. Once again, you may be doing something, in, you know, delaying doing real stuff in order watching not real stuff, which is the Hallmark Channel. Watching formerly famous actors on their way. If you end up... You, there's two ways of going when you're in Hallmark movies, and most of them is people on their way down or not going anywhere. It's a stepping stone. A stepping stone down to doing reverse mortgage gold commercials and, and you know, gold, buy some gold, or how great idea it is to have a, a reverse mortgage. I would not, it's like, Unless it was fair, I would not be endorsing this product. <coughs> More accurately, unless I was paid less than $100,000, I would not be doing this commercial. So, when you see people like Jimmy J.J. Walker talk about the Medi- Medicaid or Medicare Advantage plan, it's not because he has tons of offers. Once again, I digress. So Christmas, yes, there's certain aspects on it, the lights and all that stuff. I could take it, but the music, too much of a good thing. I don't like watching It's a Wonderful Life until a couple days, if not the night before. I love Christmas Eve watching it. It's a Wonderful Life. It's a tradition. It's schmaltzy. I like the message. But if you think starting... Christmas too early is not a big deal. I'd like you to do a little experiment. Do it for me. When you're out and about, starting today, until before Thanksgiving, and before Thanksgiving, wish everyone a Merry Christmas. And see how quickly you get labeled a whack job. Do you see that person there? They're wishing everyone a Merry Christmas. They're going to think that you you might as well be walking around with one of those scream masks on and a long butcher knife or a long sharp knife with the 
they're gonna they're gonna look at you like you're crazy or insane and say stay awake grab your they're gonna grab their kids and pull them close to them and go oh my god no down the keys you can walk around dressed like Santa all year round if you want then say oh that's just another wacky person but start wishing everyone a merry Christmas before Thanksgiving. And see how people react to that. This is not about putting taking Christ out of Christmas and all that stuff. This is about starting too early. But on a lighter note, there's some things you can do early. And let me suggest one big thing, and I just remember this. It's important. Your romantic partner or someone you care about, your, your paramour. Way before Thanksgiving, it is a great time, about three months before, at this moment right now, to do something for them. Roses are a great idea. Get roses, flowers for them, plants, something special. And you say, why three months before? Because you wait a month and a half, it's going on Christmas. So you're going to get caught in that noise. People don't even say, but right now, two weeks, three weeks before Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, you know, right, anything before Thanksgiving, you're, you're creating a memory. So when they say, you never get me any of this, you never get me flowers, you never do anything romantic for me, do it. Show them that you appreciate them. Do it now. Don't separate yourself from the crowd. And. Granted, that I don't have a large enough audience where the momentum for it is not going to change the result of that person feeling special. Do it now. Do, do it before the relationship, they come up and say, you know what, we're growing apart. If you haven't heard that, it's an excellent, excellent time to do that. If you heard, haven't heard the person say that, that's a good sign to do it. Obviously, if the person did say that, you're not paying enough attention, it's a good idea to do it too, but they can always attribute your actions to what they said. So it's not as effective. It's so much more effective to do something for your paramour before they expect it, before the anniversary, before Valentine's Day, before the holidays. Let's do it. And if your anniversary is coming up, do it now. Maybe next time, think about Labor Day as your target. Or 4th of July. Just pick one of these things. Says, you know what, on that day, I'm going to do something, you know, that's actually right around 4th of July is a good idea to get flowers for your loved one, too. If it's not your anniversary, because you should always get it for your anniversaries or whatever thing that you do to commemorate. If it's like your you're, if it's for a guy, it could be something for his his, his truck or or, or or some piece of clothing, a hat, sunglasses, blah, 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 something special. I'm just leaving it out there for you. Listen, I'd like to thank everyone for your listens. I appreciate the multiple downloads some of you have been doing. I know some of you, you don't know what I'm talking about, but if you can do it, I'm asking again. I'm going to do this every show. This is my commercial in order that I can get sponsorship. Download as many episodes as you can. The more episodes you download, 
the more visibility we get. It has worked already. It has worked already. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. That's the Keys Bartender. If you put Keys Bartender in, you will see the logo of the show of the guy holding the wine, you know, wine glass, shot glass up to his eye. If I didn't know that was that was foretelling that I was going, my eyesight was going to be able to, you know, I don't know how long I'll be able to bartend. I hope I could do it for years to come. But the more listeners I have, the more visibility the show has, the more capabilities the show has. And I will endeavor to keep doing the show for as long as I can. And it really does help me. I do appreciate you for downloading that. Send us any messages that you have, any requests to jim at keysbartender.com. Please keep downloading those episodes. Share these episodes with your friends. Let's get some new listeners. The listeners in new countries and in other states. I track that stuff. I don't think I get all of it because there's some of these services that they're not. I don't think they report back. So I think we probably maybe have 5,000, 6,000 listeners a month. That's a conservative estimate, not a, a overly exuberant one. I do like to thank you for listening. And uh, I'm not going to say those two words yet but happy holidays because there's a holidays are coming up there's always a holiday talk to you later bye